pastor actually started the series um, in, uh, in uh, July. Uh, with uh, for those who missed it it was the fourth and fifth Sunday in July he started the series and then as of the first Sunday in August he he taught uh, in the uh, living and in covenant he taught what are you committed to as an individual that was first Sunday and then second Sunday what is your family committed to and so today I'm going to teach what are your the question of the day is what are your friends committed to come on say what are your friends committed to now, there's a term that pastor has been using uh, interchangeably, and that's the word covenant and commitment. The word covenant means an agreement, a pledge, promise, a bond. Commitment means a state of being dedicated or loyal. So as I said, all throughout this series, pastor is using these, these words interchangeably. Now, we're accustomed to uh, making covenants or commitments, and those of us who have asked Jesus Christ to come into our heart, we actually prayed this prayer of salvation, and we asked Jesus Christ. We made a commitment or a covenant for him to be our Lord and Savior. But we're accustomed to commitments and covenants. We make them all the time, and there's one that we've all made. Uh, it's uh, something that we've, we learned in school, and it's a a, a covenant or a bond and it was a, a statement that we would make uh, uh, these several sentences of declaration that we would make and we learned it when we were in elementary school and it's called the Pledge of Allegiance so let's see how many of you actually remember the Pledge of Allegiance you ready I pledge Oh, look at the veterans. Oh, that's just so neat. It's like, uh, it's blasphemous to say the pledge without uh, standing up. Okay, so that is a covenant. It's a, it, you say, I pledge allegiance to the flag, but it's not just the flag of itself. You are saying that I make a covenant, an agreement to be supportive of my country. That's, that's a covenant, an agreement. Um, another covenant that many of you in this house made was the marriage covenant. I bet you're not going to stand up this time. But <laughs> the marriage vows. You said, I, Markella, take thee, Michelangelo, to be my wedded husband. And your pretty dress and all your girls were in there purple. Purple and orange. Those were your colors, just purple and orange. And uh, wedding, uh, uh, to make my wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse. You actually thought you were saying for better or for better, but it was for better or for worse. For richer or for poorer, you thought you were saying for richer or for richer, but it's for richer or for poorer. Is what you said before people and God. That was a, a covenant, a promise that you made before people and God. And sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part we are accustomed to covenants and commitments one that you make when you're going to school is you make a, a covenant that's a code of honesty you say that i promise to take my own test not have other people take tests for me i promise that my paper is written to so solely by me and you don't have to worry about any kind of plagiarized documents it's a covenant an agreement a bond that you make when you go to school that's the one you should be making when you go to school saying everything that i've done every test that i take was taken by me and not by my cousin who tends to make A's. It's a covenant, it's a bond, and it's a decision that you make. 
So today, our focus is going to be all about your friends. So that's why the question today is, what are your friends committed to? Come on, say, what are your friends committed to? Now, a friend, it, the term friend is used loosely nowadays where, you know, you determine your friend on, by the number of Facebook likes that you have. And people who say, I want to be your friend. So some of you are very proud that on social media you have 1,257 friends. But actually, a friend is a person you know and you have a mutual bond with. A mutual bond. A mutual bond is a whole lot more than I like your picture and you like mine. It is a mutual bond that you have with someone, and that is the person who is a friend. Now, if you only see the person as your friend and they don't see you as a friend, that means that's not a friend because it has to be mutual. It's like saying you're my husband, but the person says, no, um, I'm married, actually married to her. No, that's not a mutual bond. Okay, so that's the key to real friendship is that it's a person you know and you have a mutual bond. Now I'm going to review first some quick biblical tips about friends. Quick biblical tips about friends. First in Proverbs 18:24, this is the verse that helped me out the most because unlike my husband, I people don't believe me, but I'm a, a bit on the shy side. I, I would always tell people I can count my friends on on one hand um, just because you know I smile at you and we in class together. I don't see you as a friend. I see a friend as a person that I have a mutual bond with, and so I. But I would have just just a few friends while it seems like my husband was just a friend of America just had friends from part one part of the globe to the other part and so I had to learn this principle the principle says a man who has friends must first of all show himself friendly and so I had to learn that I needed to be more friendly so for those, a biblical tip for us, for those who say, I don't have enough friends, I'm always by myself, just remember that Proverbs 18.24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Then another one, Proverbs 27.6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What does that mean? A real friend will rebuke you, will put you in check, while a, friend, a person you think is a friend, but they're not really a friend, they're going to always tell you something that's wonderful. Girl, that's so cute. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, they're always just full of compliments all the time. That's a person who's just full, just multiple kisses. That's not a friend. A friend is going to tell you something in love. Now, if they're always telling you something negative, there's something wrong with that. But a real friend should be a person who is, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That means a friend can make you stronger or weaker. A friend can make you a sharp knife or a dull knife. There's nothing worse than a dull knife. You're trying to cut a tomato. You know, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And the last one, First uh, Corinthians 15 and 33, do not be misled. You know, that's trouble when God says, don't be deceived, don't be tricked. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company. You think your friends do not impact you, but the Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And that's where pastors one of his favorite friends is phrases is your friends tell your story 
So the Bible has many examples of friends all, all throughout it. But today we're going to look at the impact of a friend. The impact of the friend. And we're going to look at the impact of a friend by looking at the first set of best friends. And the first example of best friends was Adam and Eve. And you just say, no, they weren't best friends. They were married. You'll be surprised, and I'm sure a lot of you in here can testify, that your spouse became your best friend. Hopefully your spouse did become, was your best friend or evolved to be your best friend. Who do you talk to the most? Who do you confide in? Who, who encourages you? Who is there? Who would give you a kidney transplant? You know, who are those individuals that will sit there and be by your, by your side? And most of the time, it's the spouse. Here, the example of Adam and Eve is a perfect example of the very first set of best friends. So I'm going to share with you four impacts of a friend now, there are many, many, but today I'm just going to share four. One is a friend can impact where you go. A friend can impact what you believe. A friend can impact what you do. And an, a friend can impact your harvest. So we see a friend can impact where you go, what you believe, what you do, and also your harvest. Let's look at the first one. A friend can impact where you go. Genesis 3 and 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, Did God really say? That means it's trouble when someone is questioning God from the gate. Watch out for your friends. If your friends start saying things contrary to the Bible, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, so we see she did know, God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and we must not touch it. You know, sometimes we must add information that God didn't say. So here she added some information, and you must not even touch it, or you will die. Here again, the serpent saying something contrary to God. You will not sure, certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. That's one of the common tricks of the enemy is to try to give you the impression that God is robbing you of some fun, that God is not allowing you to have some experience that everyone else is having. So you have to be careful with the friends that you have because a friend can impact where you go. Here we look at Eve. Eve made a decision to go somewhere that she knew she wasn't supposed to go. She had no business going to that tree in the first place, but that was her life experience. And her life experience eventually impacted Adam. She goes to the forbidden tree, and she also has an unhealthy conversation. Sometimes your friends have unhealthy conversations, conversations that they know they should not have. You know, telling that married man, but you look mighty nice today. You know, you look nice every day. Then you go tell your friend, yeah, I had him blushing up a storm because I told him how fine he was today. It's like, come on, unhealthy conversations that you know are not correct. So here, Eve, Adam's best friend, has, she not only goes someplace she's not supposed to go, but she goes into an unhealthy conversation. Friends will encourage you to go where you would not normally go. 
I told on yesterday how um, um, I have some daring moments. I'm one of those people where I haven't come across a roller coaster that make me cry yet. But there are some things that my daughter would go and do that I would not even consider. You know, she will go to the area that will do up. She's done the bungee jumping before. And it's like, girl, you crazy. I don't have, I'm not going to have my body splatted at the bottom of the, it's like, no. And she actually talked a friend into going to a zip line. I don't understand that. I don't want to go between trees. <laughs> but of course she knew that if she told me she was going, I would have done the mama guilt like, no, don't do that. And it's not good. And here are all the 20 reasons why you should not go zip lining. You know, so she actually sent me a picture of her zip lining. But did she go zip lining by herself? No. You tend to talk your friends into going places with you. So one of her best friends she's known since they were little babies, they decided that together they were going to go and have this experience. A, a friend can impact where you go. Thank God her body went splat, splat up against a tree. She had fun. She showed me all the pictures, but I pray she does not go there anymore. <laughs> but that's the kind of person that she is, so you just never know. I'll probably find out after she does it. But a friend can impact where you go. Secondly, a friend can impact what you believe. Here, Eve shares some incorrect information that, yeah, God told us not to go to that. I can't eat from that tree. But he said, we shouldn't even touch it. You know, here it. Sometimes your friends will, will add to the story. You know how they, they, it's a story all the way to 5th Street is true. But when they start adding to 6th and 7th Street, they are adding things to just make the story grand. And so Eve decided she was going to make the story grand by saying, you can't eat the tree and you can't even touch it. You know, that's what a friend does. A friend can impact what you believe. A friend can also, uh, and we see that Eve accepted information that was contrary to God. You know, oh, you're not going to die. Come on and try it. You, it's okay. You know, I've seen people say, no, you're not going to die here. You, you, um, it, that, none of that is true. I, pull, I purposely pulled up some uh, statements that uh, some old wives tales that many of us have heard. We've heard even either from family members or friends. And I want to see if you guys know whether or not it's true or false. Here, I had a family member tell me years ago that if you open an umbrella indoors, you will have bad luck. How many of you have heard that one? Okay, you had a, you had a friend telling you that same thing. Is that true or false? Thank you. Some people actually just still believe that. And I don't know. They throw salt over their shoulder. I don't know what they do to supposed to get rid of the curse. But the only, it's not the wisest thing to do to open an umbrella in the house because you could hurt somebody. But it is not true that opening an umbrella indoors causes bad luck. Something else I heard. If you, someone told me, family member or friend told me, if you make an ugly face too often, your face will stay that way. I think that was created by some grandmama who wanted a child to stop pouting. You pout too long, your lip is going to stay stuck out there like that. But is that true or false? False. You can make a face all day long and it's, it's not going to get stuck. Okay. Break a mirror and you have bad luck for how many years? See, you all went to have the same friends. They tell you these things and these things are not true. 
This is one that I've never heard before, and you can, guys can tell me if anyone, anyone heard the story about swallowing gum? Okay, if you swallow gum, what will happen? It stay in your stomach. How long? Yeah, my good. Where does that come from? They claim that if you swallow gum, it will stay in your stomach for seven years. Of course, I just had to know. I just had to know, so I looked it up. And it's like, nope, it's going to come out just like that hamburger. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about the gum being stuck in your stomach for seven years. I was told when I was uh, pregnant that if the, if the baby had a high heart rate, that it was a girl. Is that true or false? See, you get a little slower now, like, hmm. Well, I can testify that I had, my baby had a high heart rate, and I gave birth to big old Ricky Temple Jr. <laughs> and he today is six feet, three inches tall. So apparently, that is not accurate. There, I've had people come and tell me, no one told me this, but people have come and said, oh, my friend told me this, my coworker told me this, that you guys at Overcoming by Faith have an ATM machine in your lobby. Is that true or false? Thank you. Thank you. We've been hearing that for 25, 30 years, and it is still just alive and well, and I don't know where to get it from, even though we really do need one, because I'm not a cash-carrying person. But it's nothing wrong if we had one. I've been to churches with ATM. But I think what they're insinuating is that the ATM machine is in the lobby, so that if you don't have an offering, pastor stands before you and says, go right now to that ATM machine and give God an offering. That is just nuts. It's not true. Another statement that people will believe, and I mean, I've had people actually believe that you cannot join Overcoming by Faith unless you show your W-2 form. You can believe a friend. You can impact people. We've had people who did not come to Overcome by Faith for years because of the false information given to them about this ministry. Here is one that says, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Is that true or false? Oh, we got differences. Got strife in the house. Got strife. No. Actually, of course, because uh, I had to look it up, it's actually true. It's actually true. And so they claim that if you eat, and, and the goal is just eating healthy, but it claims that if you eat an apple every day, it tends to reduce your risk of stroke and heart attack. So everybody go buy some apples. So you have to really, really be careful about what a friend will tell you because a friend can impact what you believe. Next, a friend can impact what you do. Let's look at Genesis 3 and 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Here we see that Eve made a life choice. And then not only did she make a personal life choice, she decided to share her life choice with her best friend. 
And that is what tends to happen. You've heard bountiful studies about individuals who um, have the habit of, of smoking and you think, okay, I'm just impacting myself. I need to smoke in order to bring myself some calm and some peace and all of this, but it's not impacting anyone else. And so, but I know of countless uh, stories of people who actually passed because or, re, or had an illness because of secondhand smoke. That's been proven over and over again. So even if a person's life choice doesn't impact you directly, it will impact you indirectly. And that if you do something to harm yourself, now the person must live without you. Now the person, the child has to live without their dad. Their child has to live without their mom. You know, grandma is gone because grandma ate herself to death. You know, all sorts of various things that you can, your personal life choice can impact other people. So Eve's life choice impacted Adam. She shared her choice with him. And now it's, they have a life choice. It started off with just her. Adam was fine. Adam was never tempted to go to the tree in the middle of the garden. But because of the prompting of his best friend, he, now he is given this apple and he had the choice to eat it. it was, she didn't make him and stuff it down his mouth. He had the choice to say yes or no. So he's, he chose to eat the apple. And now they have a brand new life choice. This brand new life choice is, is seen now in the next verse, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Here for the first time, instead of communing with God, because of their life choice, they are now hiding from God. And that's what tends to happen when you're doing things that's contrary to the word of God, contrary to the will of God. And you know it. You know, you were raised with it. You went to Sunday school. Everybody thought you were just coloring and eating candy. But some of that information did get in your spirit. Some of that seed did get into the soil. And you know what is that life choice is not correct. But when you go in that direction, you feel like, I just don't want anybody to know what I did. So I'm going to hide. And it's so amazing to me, the people who think they can hide something from God. Now, you might, you might be able to hide something from your parents. And most of the time, that's not true. Parents just not saying it. They just letting you go ahead and think, you know, yeah, you going where? Yes, I know you're changing your clothes in the car. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of thing. But, but you may be able to deceive some people, but you can never, ever deceive God. So here, their life choice gave them the false impression that they can actually now hide from God. So we see that the impact of a friend can determine where you go. It can impact what you believe and it can impact what you do. A friend. Finally, a friend can impact your harvest or your life results. Genesis three and 10 says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. For the first time, Adam experienced fear. Fear of the God who loved him. Fear of the God who created him from the dust of the ground. He experienced fear. And then Adam and Eve opened up a door of consequences. A harvest. A harvest that they were not scheduled to have at all. It says, the harvest is, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. 
Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about, about which I commanded you must not eat, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from, all, uh, eat, uh, from it all the days of your life. I will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. From since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and from dust you will return. Can you imagine that God's ultimate plan was for you to be able to just live forever and ever? Can you imagine being able to just go ask Adam today, okay, what was it like to actually be in the Garden of Eden? But because of their life choices, it gave consequences. A lot of your life choices today will produce consequences or produce a harvest. For those who determine to stay focused and academically focused, you will eventually have a harvest. You may not be the coolest person carrying your, your have, actually having books in your book bag. You know, some people have book bag just as a fashion statement and nothing's in there. You know, but when you actually have books in your book bag, it may not be the cutest thing in the world, but you will eventually have a bountiful harvest. If you be careful at the friends that you have, you know, you can, it will, your friends will determine the type of harvest that you have. So there's some simple questions here. Can you even name your first best friend? Your first best friend probably was somebody from kindergarten, and it's like, we are twins. We are bestie friends, you know. But can you even still name that person? Do you have good friends who eventually were tools of distraction? Or your best friend could have been a tool of encouragement. Some of the, um, when I travel with pastor uh, to the prisons, quite a few individuals are there, not because of something that they've done, but they're there because they were with the wrong person. Or they allowed a person. I, you have I have cases where, you know, the friend uh, is like, I don't do drugs, and I don't fill up with drugs, my friend, you know, that's just one of the hangups that they have. So they get in your car with something, get stopped. They're not just going to take them, it's their drugs. They can say all day, it's just mine, it's mine. They're in your vehicle, or you in the vehicle with them. You know, at a case where, where somebody robbed, robbed a bank and they were in the car, you know, and didn't know friends were robbing, robbing the store. You know, all kinds of testimonies like that. And you have to really, really be careful who you are with. Do your friends eventually are tools of distraction or your friends should be tools of encouragement? Your friends could be saying, girl, don't you do that? Don't go there. That is wrong. I don't, mm -mm, I don't have nothing to do with it. I'm done with you if you go that way. That's a powerful friend. That's a friend who's not afraid to speak up. Are your friends really committed to God in any way? Only you know if your best friends are really committed to God or, they, or do they just come to church because there's cute girls in the church? Do they come to church because someone told him, told, told him, if you want to get a wife, you need to go get one of them church girls and she's going to cook for you and she's going to go to church. You don't have to worry about her cheating on you and all that stuff. Are you uh, giving the appearance of being committed, but you're coming for the wrong reason? You, uh, plenty of people will get saved for 90 days long enough to date somebody. You know, they'll get saved long enough to come down the aisle. Then it's like, ah, I, I, I just did that because I wanted you. 
you know, you have to be, make sure that your friends are committed for real. And often we as uh, bystanders, we don't really know. Some of you parents need to, if, you're, if your child tells you, no, it's a little bit more to them than you know. You know, you need to believe them. I've had some people where it's like I said, this was way back in early days where well, my son would be talking to this young lady and that young lady. He's been married now for almost six years. But he would be talking to this one. I say, oh, she's just so nice. I just like her so much. And he say, okay, mom. Then I'll, then I'll mention again, what about so-and-so? She just, just seems so nice. And he finally would just say, mom, you just don't know. And it's like, what? I talk to her all the time. The girl is fine. Mom, you just don't know. I had to get up off it. Because it's like he has a little bit more information that I have, and it's probably information that I don't want to hear, you know. So, you know, just let me keep my little rosebud impression, you know, of the, of the, of the person. So we have to be able to, but we need you, we need those that we love, our family members, friends, our kids, to be honest about your friendships. Are your friends really committed to God in any way? And something you need to really think about, are you attracting people like you? If you're not attracting people who are like you, you may be attracting people the way you would like to be. Okay? Now, most of the time, you will attract individuals like yourself. But if you want to be, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the little school geek, but I want to be a little hot mama like her, so I'm going to be besties with a hot mama. I'm becoming a best friend with someone because I want to be like them. And that's not always the best decision to make. One of the things that I noticed and when I had this, um, this lesson on what kind, of, what kind of friends are your friends committed to God, it, I started thinking about from my childhood friends. And my childhood friends, it's amazing that my childhood friends were, we had similar likes and dislikes. As a matter of fact, one of my, my besties is in here now, Liz. Whoop, whoop. Known her since the third grade. And it's amazing. Don't y'all go bother her either and ask her a whole bunch of questions because she ain't going to tell you. Amen. But, but one of the things about your friends is your friends will challenge you. They will love you. And they tend to have similar likes in that she and I both love music. As a matter of fact, she's the reason why I love music even more because she played the piano and she was always talking about the soprano part, alto part, tenor part, soprano part. So we'd be in the car sometimes just harmonizing. And so she helped train my ear as, and we're talking in our teen years because we had similar likes. We both became educators. She's still teaching now and now I'm teaching all the time in the, in the church. Had likes. We weren't clubbing kind of people, you know, tried it every now and then back in the in disco days, but it just was not our taste. You have a friend where just like clubbing, getting high all the time, and then it's like my best friend is like, what is that? Either they're like you or they're the way you would like to be. And so she and I and the rest of us, we did not have, if you're not, if you're a teenager or you're a college age and you're not a clubbing kind of person, where do you go? Back in the day, the only thing that was open late was Krispy Kreme and crystals. <laughs> so we would hang out just so we could feel like we out late at Krispy Kreme and crystals because we didn't go clubbing. You hang out with people who are like you. And I remember when I came to know the Lord, 
one of the first people that I wanted to tell about my experience was my best friend. And within days, I don't know, it might have been the same day, but it was within days she asked the Lord to come into her heart and be her Lord and Savior. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Now, we've been serving them now for like 107 years or something. <laughs> now, not quite, but quite a bit of years now. Are you attracting friends like you or who do you desire to be? In conclusion, God has uniquely designed you. He designed you as a social being. He designed you to have family members and friends. He designed you to have relationships that would allow you to be happy and well-adjusted. But also, you could have friends who could cause you grief and hardship. So that's why it's very, very important that you choose your friends wisely. In today's culture, because of social media, you could have what the world defines as hundreds of friends or thousands of friends. But the Bible says, when it comes to a friend, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Your friends are people who can either make you sharp or dull, strong or weak. And the Bible says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company will corrupt good character. So it's important to know what you are committed to, which is something Pastor shared first week, first weekend. What is your family committed to? He taught last week, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is your family committed to? And finally, what are your friends committed to? Because your friends will tell your story. Amen? Amen? Come on and stand to your feet. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, we stand before your throne in the name of Jesus. Thanking you for your living word. Your word brings about challenge to us. And Lord God, as we are challenged in your word, I pray that change will take place. Help us, Lord God, to choose friends wisely and also help us, Lord God, to be wise friends to others because a friend can impact you. A friend can tell, can impact where we go. A friend can impact what we believe, whether we question God or not, or whether God is real or, you know, whether we were uh, a part of process of evolution all sorts of things a friend can impact what you believe a friend can impact what you do they can hand you something they can give you an experience they can give you a friend can give you your first taste of drugs or your friend can give you your first experience in in college and academic success a friend can impact what you do a friend can impact your harvest your life results Heavenly Father, I pray that you give us wisdom as we strive to choose our friends wisely and also, Lord God, as we desire to be wise friends. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a song that says, it goes like this. I am a friend of God. 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 He calls me I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God.
who have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You have not said, God, you may be see, see, searching high and low for friends, but the best friend you could possibly even have is, is a man named Jesus. God who came down in the flesh and died just for you. Best decision you could ever make is to allow Jesus Christ to be your friend. It's a simple process. He made it so easy until a second grader could get it. He said, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then thou shalt be saved. You don't have to scrub anything, change anything, do anything. All you have to do is confess, believe, and receive. If there's anyone in the house who would like to have Jesus Christ as your friend, all you have to do is raise your hand from your seat and put it back down and we will pray with you from your seat. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. See a hand. Raise your hand and put it back down. Awesome. Hallelujah. Those in the house continue to pray. Anyone else? All you have to do is lift your hand and put it back down. Come on, everyone. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God 
raised Jesus from the dead, I shall be saved. So today, I confess. Today, I believe. And today, I receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who lifted their hands on, on today. I pray, Lord God, that you thank you for washing them of their sins, making them brand new. And your word says that once they have said, Lord Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart, that they now are new creations in Christ Jesus. And the kingdom of God has just been enlarged. And we just celebrate you and we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and praise him because the kingdom has just been increased. Hallelujah.